Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where motivated women achieve fulfillment and well-being. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Just, you're going to be in for a good ride. I'm a woman. I would prefer to, to tell my own story. My story, though it's very personal, is universal. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. And now your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hi, Giovanna Rossi here, and welcome to another episode of The Well Woman Show, where I interview women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs about their lives and their road to becoming and being who they are today. Are you at the top of your game professionally, but feeling burned out, or finding it hard to focus on your goals, or unfulfilled personally? Or are you in transition, simply juggling so many things you find it hard to take care of your own needs? Well, you're not alone. We all need to activate the four universal superpowers. These are the internal strengths and abilities we all already have, but don't use all the time. Superpowers can be cultivated and they include awareness, intuition, action, and acceptance. Toward the end of the show in a segment called superpowers for success, I ask my guest about her superpowers and the answers will give you the strength, perspective, and power to live a well woman life. I'm so happy you're here, so thanks for tuning in. This episode of The Well Woman Show is brought to you by Collective Action Strategies, supporting organizations that support women and families, and by Well Woman Life Movement Challenge Quiz, your resource for living your best life. If you're in burnout or major transition, this is your time to figure out what's holding you back from making the changes you need to make in order to live your fullest, most joyful life. The cause of all of our challenges, personal or professional, can actually be rooted in the lack of internal superpowers and or external supports. Our Well Woman Life Framework tells you which stage of the Well Woman Life Cycle you're in and what to do about it so you can truly live your best life. You can find out more at wellwomanlife.com slash quiz. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green healthy lifestyle publication. And for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. At the end of the show today, I've included part of my article that was published on Forbes.com. So listen through to the end because you won't want to miss it. And I'll post all the links at wellwomanlife.com slash 145 show. On the show today, I interview Pat Vincent Kalan, Chairman, President, and CEO of PNM Resources, and we talked about what makes a good manager and leader, what extra steps you have to take in order to be successful, and how to know when to, quote, go for it. Pat Vincent Kalan is Chairman, President, and CEO of PNM Resources, the parent company for utilities PNM in New Mexico and TNMP in Texas. Vincent Kalan joined PNM Resources in 2007 as utilities president. In 2008, she was named president and chief operating officer in March, and in March 2010, became president and CEO of PNM. The board elected her chairman in January 2012. You can find more information and links at wellwomanlife.com slash 145 show. You can also continue the conversation in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico and High Desert Yoga in Albuquerque. Now to my interview with Pat Vincent Kalan. I'm speaking with Pat Vincent Kalan. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. 
I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, you are the president and CEO of PM Resources, as we heard in the introduction. And Pat, there's so much to talk to you about, but I just want to first start and say, as I was walking into the building, I'm sitting here in, in PM headquarters with you. As I was walking in, I saw the proclamation on the wall signed by the governor and the secretary of state, and it was celebrating your 100th year last year of, not your 100th year, but 100th year of, of PNM. Um, can you talk about what that means for New Mexico and, and sort of a little bit of the background there? Absolutely. Um, it is such a privilege to be here at a company that is 100 years old and has start, it started serving Albuquerque as the Albuquerque Ice Company. And we have grown and flourished with New Mexico. And we like to think one of the reasons that New Mexico has grown and flourished is because of PNM. And we've grown with the state. We've changed with the state. Um, we're moving, for example, to more renewable and clean energy because that's where our customers want us to go. And we've been a part of our communities for this 100 years. And when we celebrated last year, we talked about a century of service, but then we talked about what are we going to do for the next century because we plan to be here for another 100 years. And as a utility, I think we have a special obligation to be in our communities, to give in our communities, whether it's time or money, and support them. And I just think that, that PNM has grown along with the state, and it's just an incredible honor. And our employees love that history, and they love that fact that what they are doing makes a difference in people's lives. You, you travel in the third world, people don't have reliable, affordable, clean energy. It makes such a difference in our lives. Okay, and you mentioned that um, you've been moving into more renewable energies because that's what people want. Can you talk more about that? What have you been doing and where do you see that going? Well, we have been working, we work every three years to put together a plan um, that the commission looks at about what our generation should be. And we've seen two things. One is that the costs of natural gas and renewables are going down. And then when we do our customer uh, surveys, customers have a preference for clean energy. So we've shut down two units of our San Juan coal plant up in the Four Corners area. We are going to file to get approval to shut down the next two units um, in 2021. And then we have one coal unit left over in Four Corners, and we'd be out of that by about 2031. And the reason we're doing it at, at a more measured pace is at the end of the day, there are folks' jobs involved there. And so the folks in the Four Corners and the folks in the coal mine, they've held those jobs for a long time. They're good jobs. They're in an area of our state where, unfortunately, unemployment is high and so is poverty. So we're working in a, a slow way and also working to train those folks. We spent a million dollars uh, with Navajo Technical College and San Juan College to train folks for new jobs. So it's a gradual process of phasing out the old and bringing in cleaner energy. But every time we need a new resource now, it's cleaner energy. Okay, and so what does that look like for for developing the newer renewable energies? Because you're having to move from doing something one way to completely changing it and and like the whole industry is changing, right? So how does that um how does that work? What what are, what does that look like? 
it's a combination of two things. One, there are fewer jobs because coal plants, for example, take more people than a gas plant or a solar plant. So we have fewer workers, so we have the responsibility to help train the ones that are being displaced, whether for jobs in our company or others. So we're taking on more of a training role there for new jobs. And then secondly, putting all that renewable energy into the system can be challenging in terms of of integrating it, is is our buzzword on it. So we need people with new skills on data and technology. So it's a whole new set of folks that we're out there recruiting. I think uh, one of the biggest... um, Uh, Employment needs now in utilities is people with information technology experience and data experience to help us deal with all the data we're getting in from our customers and from putting those renewables on our our, uh, grid. Okay, and you've been a leader nationally in this industry, I mean, in in energy and utility. Have you, um, have you, what has been the conversation there about um, gradually moving away from coal and moving more towards renewable? It is really going on industry-wide, and the industry is responsible for most of the new renewables in the United States. Carbon emissions are down dramatically. And as an industry, we're also tackling this, what does this new workforce look like? So there's two major initiatives in the industry. One is called Troops to Energy, so hiring veterans, because they make great linemen, they make great employees, and so we've made a lot of strides in that. Uh, The second initiative, and this was one that I was proud to have started last year, is on diversity and inclusion. Because as we move forward and attract new folks, especially the millennials, our companies have to be diverse and inclusive. Because if we don't look like the population, folks aren't going to want to come to work for us. And I think one of the great things about our industry is that we have a couple things that millennials want. A sense of purpose. I described earlier how electricity makes our lives better. And if we're diverse and inclusive, why go to Facebook? Why go to Google? You can come here and make a big difference in people's lives. And so we're really focusing on that diversity and inclusion in our industry in terms of sharing best practices to help us build the workforce of tomorrow. Okay. And you've talked about the workforce a little bit. Can you um, talk a, a bit more about sort of why do people love to work here? What, what is it like? What's the culture like? What is it like to work here? If you asked our employees, I think one of the reasons they work here is because of that sense of purpose. They're proud that they bring something New Mexicans uh, want and need. Uh, they also feel that the company is very welcoming, and you know some of them describe it as their second family. Uh, when somebody's sick, we make sure they're taken care of, not just with the great insurance and the other benefits we have, but colleagues will pitch in and you know, bring over casseroles, right, like your neighbors used to do. They'll do that. Um, They'll take care of your dog if your dog is sick. If your dog's had to have surgery and needs to be in the office for a couple days, that's fine. So we really try to take care of each other. So I think it's how people are treated at work and how they feel about what the company does. And how do you do that across different levels of employees? Because I know it's harder sometimes to offer that flexibility to um, people that are out, you know, in the field versus someone in the office. You're right, and it's different in, in every department and in every area. But we offer things like flexible scheduling. So you can have – sometimes you can have four tens, Sometimes it's eight fives. Um, and people are willing to help each other. So if I'm alignment and I need to take two weeks off, there's always somebody out there that will help cover my shift. So a lot of it is, is we have the framework at the company, and then the employees step in and make it work. As a leader, what are your biggest challenges? 
I think it's it's a leader. It's always making sure that you meet the needs of all your constituents. Right? We have shareholders, and we have to take care of our shareholders. But we have customers. And again, as we're a monopoly, I think we have a special obligation to our customers and our communities. And then we have our employees. And then we have all the other folks out there that are interested in our business, whether they're the industrial customers, the environmental groups. So the biggest challenging is balancing all those interests and trying to come up to agreements and compromises. And they always say a good compromise is when everybody walks away a little bit unhappy. So trying to do that, I think, is the biggest challenge. Yeah, that is a big challenge. And so uh, you've worked in utility for a long time, but you have an MBA in business. Do you think that you're, I mean, I imagine your skills are transferable across industries. How important is it that you have a, a background in utility to actually lead this company? I think in order to lead the company, you need some background in utilities. But I came when I came to the utility industry, I had been in marketing and management consulting. And actually, I was hired because I had no background in utilities. When I, my first interview, they said, what do you know about utilities? And I said, well, when I flip the switch, the light comes on, and when my bill comes, I pay it. And they said, perfect, because they wanted people that had more of a customer point of view. Now, that said, when you lead any organization, you need to understand the industry and how it works, how your company makes money, how you satisfy customers, and those things. Um, but I think, you know, management skills are transferable. And one of the great things when you learn when you're a consultant is how to quickly understand an industry. Mm, yeah. And you have a journalism background, too. So you, um, I imagine you use that, too, to sort of investigate and ask a lot of questions about, you know, about the industry when you got here. I did, and, and, one of the, and, and I still torture people about commas and punctuation and grammar. But um, one of the great things a journalism major does is exactly what you said. You learn to ask questions. And a lot of, I think, management skill is asking questions. And I remember when I got my first promotion into um, operations in a utility, I said to my boss, I said, well, you know, I'm not an engineer. And he said, I know, Pat, but you know how to ask questions and you know how to manage people. And that Asking questions is just such a critical ability. What is the um, key to managing people? It's because it's it's a whole thing. I mean, it's hard. Pe- you know, some people are terrible at it. Some people are really good at it. I think it's a a process, right, where, where we can learn and grow. But what what is your magic thing that you do to manage people really well? I'm not sure that there's anything that's that's magic, but I think it's a combination of empathy. You have to understand what's going on and what people are going through. But at the same time, you have to hold them accountable. It's bringing good people in. It's, it's checking your ego at the door and letting people that are smarter than you give you good advice. Uh, it's bringing people together to build consensus. But if there's not consensus, at the end of the day, you're the one that has to make the decision. So you can't be afraid to make decisions. You can't be afraid to say yes. You can't be afraid to say no. So those are some of the quote-unquote soft skills that we hear about, sort of empathy and collaboration, that I think are becoming more and more uh, important to uh, to embrace as leaders. Do you Have you always used those, or has that been something that you've grown as a leader to, to, to start using? I've absolutely um, grown as a leader. I think you have to start out with some of those qualities to, to climb the ladder, but the more senior I've gotten 
the more important I realize the soft skills are. And I think in business, you know, the hard, hard skills, if you want to call them that, the technical skills, are necessary, but they're not sufficient. And especially the leaders uh, going forward as we work with millennials and other generations in different cultures, the softer skills become more and more important. And in general, those are the skills they don't teach you in school. Mm-hmm. So you have to, to pick, I think you have to have them within yourself, but you have to pick them up along the way. And I have always been fortunate to learn from others around me, uh, whether it was a formal mentor or just in the environment. And I think sometimes I've learned more from bad bosses than good bosses, because sometimes learning what not to do is just as important as learning what to do. And so I've tried to pick up a little bit from everybody that I've worked with along the way. So it's of all of that um, in terms of how I lead. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, you're listening to The Well Woman Show. I'm speaking with Pat Vincent Kalan, president and CEO of PNM. And we'll be right back with the segment called Superpowers for Success. So we're back with Pat Vincent Kalan. Um, we're going into this segment called Superpowers for Success. And I want to ask you a few questions, Pat. The first one is, what does success in life mean for you? I think success in life means... Uh, being happy. And you can be happy a bunch of different ways. But for me, I'm lucky that I have business success. So I'm I'm doing well in business. But I have a good personal life. I have uh, my health. And I have friends. And I think being able to have that whole combination, to me, is what success looks like. So you said business life, health and friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good um, combo balance. Do you feel like it's always balanced, or do do you have to sometimes focus on some uh, over the others in order to, I don't know, get anything done? I'd say the balance is episodic, right? There's times at work that I'll say to my friends, "Love you, but I'm not going to see you for a while." Or I remember my sister one year at Thanksgiving, I said, I just cannot get on another airplane. We'd love to have you, so I'll buy you an airplane ticket to come see you know my husband and I. Um, you know, sometimes you've got to make sure, well, health you have to take care of all the time, right? And, and maybe when you're crazy at work, you work out a little less, but you have to invest in your health. So it kind of goes up and down what you focus on. Yeah, I always think it's not really a balance. It's more of a juggle, right? Like we've got one ball up in the air and you might have one in your hand and you might drop one. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, okay, so when did you know, Pat, that you were really good at what you do? I'm not sure it ever just sort of um, came to me. But I think uh, when I got promoted to CEO here at PM Resources, it, it finally dawned on me um, that maybe I was good at, as, at what I did. And I, and I know this is a generalization, but I know they always say as, as women, sometimes um, we don't feel uh, we're as good as we are in, and, uh, in our jobs. And we have those nightmares that we didn't graduate from school and, and that kind of stuff. So I think maybe when I got to be CEO, I finally arrived at that level of confidence that I must be good at it. Okay, so that's interesting because that was definitely an external validation, right? Like someone promoting you. And and so it's like, okay, I I must be good at this because someone, you know, asked me to do this job. Was there ever a time, or I'm sure there was multiple times, where you just kind of knew in your gut or in your heart that that you kind of got this? Like you are just really awesome at this, at whatever the thing was. You know, I think the external validation that you talked about led to the internal validation. And one of the folks that works with me here at PNM also worked with me in my former company. And one day he told somebody, 
wow, she's a lot less uptight than she used to be. And so that said to me, I must be getting it internally because I'm calmer. So I think it's, you know, I think it external evaluation leads to internal validation. And once you get that internal validation, you know, when bad stuff happens, then it doesn't, um, it doesn't mess with that internal validation. But I have to say, you know, right or wrong, the internal validation followed the external validation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned that it's sometimes harder for women to feel that uh, confidence or that sense of being good at something. And so I know a lot of people deal with like imposter syndrome or like, who am I to be doing this? Did that ever cross your mind? Like, wow, who am I to be leading this big company? Oh, absolutely. And when I um, graduated from school, I used to wake up in the middle of the night and I had those um, dreams where I missed my final exams or didn't have enough credits. So I never framed my diploma, but I would keep it where I could, the folder where I could see it. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, okay, I did get out of school. So I think in a way we all um, suffer from that. But I think it's just knowing, and I think when I, it lost its power for me is when I knew other women had the same thing. Because you don't really want to go to the office and say, oh, man, I had this dream last night where I didn't finish school. But once you realize that other people suffer for it, you know it will pass. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I also think that it's not uh, biologically like different for women versus men to, to feel confident or not confident. It's more that we're socialized as women to uh, question where where do we fit and what is our role? And we have historically been you know, uh, asked to fill other kinds of roles, right, in the home and as a child rearing and nurturing and those things. And so I think there's just an extra step for women when it comes to the workplace. Um, Because I know for sure that men also face the imposter syndrome, right? Um, Absolutely. And and, and my husband every once in a while will tell me he has a dream where he forgot his exams. But I think part of it for women, we were taught we had to be perfect and so if we have 80% of the skills needed to, to go for a new job, we might not think we would get it. And the research has shown that that level for men is less. So I think a lot of it, I agree, it's not genetic, it's been socialized. And we were taught not to go for anything until we were perfect. And you have to go for things when it's a stretch. And sometimes I think that's hard for women. If we're not 100% sure we're going to get the job, we may not apply for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that goes for um, asking for more money, too. Uh, I think that more statistically, we know from research that men are more comfortable asking for a raise, whether or not they think they deserve it or they're qualified. Whereas women really, you know, painstakingly look at like, do I deserve this? Have I done, you know, have I done well enough? And have I do I have the qualifications and that kind of thing? So, um Pat, in order to do what you do in the world as a as a leader, um, can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your own well-being? I think working out contributes to my own well-being. And it's tough to make time for it. And we talked earlier about, and I liked your analogy of juggling. Um, sometimes you have to prioritize something over another. But I always try to make sure that I work out. It makes me feel better about myself. You know, calms you down, makes your blood pressure better and all that. And keeping healthy is the one thing. And trying to get a good night's sleep, because I think you make better decisions when you have a good night's sleep. But I always say to women, you've got to take care of yourself. And I think that's what's helped me be successful. Yeah, and I hear that a lot from women. And so um, 
for listeners, you know, definitely getting a workout in is so important. And it doesn't have to be a, a fancy gym. It doesn't have to be a gym in your own home. It, it doesn't have to be expensive classes. It can be anything, right? What is your workout routine, Pat? Well, I like to lift weights. Um, don't know why. It's just one of the things I really like to do. So that's my main workout routine. But if I can't get that, in, it's just going for a walk. There's something magical about going for a walk that just kind of clears your brain. I used to run, but I had knee surgery, so I can't do that anymore. But even a walk is good for you. Mm, yeah, definitely a walk. And and it's sort of meditative, too. Like, I, I run used to run more than I do now, but, um, and it's kind of a meditative state that you can get into, like you said, like clear your mind. So definitely making that time really, really helps. Pat, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? It's a great question. Um, I think the superpower maybe I discovered was that I have an ability to take complex things and complex patterns and simplify them. And I think a lot of that's what business is about is being able to connect the dots and see across and and bring it down to something that's actionable. And I don't know, probably learned some of that in school, but I think that's probably my gift. Okay, I love that. And what advice would you give your younger self, say 25 or 30 year old self? Probably would have told myself not to be so hard on myself. But I also probably would have told myself that the advice I got about if you just work hard, everything will be fine. Working hard is absolutely necessary, but it's not sufficient. You have to learn to network. You have to learn to understand your office politics. I think women are just taught if we're the best, we work the longest, we work the hardest, everything will be okay. We have to take those extra steps. And did you have a plan for yourself? Did, did you say, okay, I want to be the CEO of a big company and here's how I'm going to get there? Or like, how did, you know, just very briefly, like, what was that? Absolutely no plan to be a CEO. I always wanted to go to work where I thought I made a difference and I was challenged. And I happened to be traveling way too much when I lived in Arizona. And a friend of mine got me a job at, at the utility there and I fell in love with it. And I was lucky enough to get higher and higher jobs. But I think I really, for me, it was really finding the right industry that I had a passion for because I always say at the end of the year, I learned something because even though we're an old industry, we change. And I think I've made a difference. I think that's such an important takeaway, which is to just really follow um, your uh, follow, follow your gut and your, and your heart, but that it's not a straight line, you know, it's not like, okay, you go to college when you're 20 and this is what you're going to be when you're 30 and 40 and 50. And so that's good, good points. Um, Pat, do you identify as a feminist? I don't know that I identify strictly as a feminist. I think I I identify as maybe an equalitist, which isn't, which isn't a word, but I think everybody, male, female, no matter what your race or sexual orientation, I think we all should have equality and nobody should judge us for any of those things. So I think it it, it may be in a broader um, term. And I think I was lucky to come of age after, you know, Gloria Steinem and the other feminists had broken some ground for us. But I think today it's about making sure everybody is treated equally. So for me, it's about back to diversity and inclusion. Okay. And last question, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? 
I am actually reading, it's, it's a book that's been out for a while, but it's called We Were Soldiers Once and Young. And it's about Vietnam. And a friend of mine gave me a book on the Vietnam War, and I started getting interested in it. And so this is, I think, my third in the series of Vietnam War books. Oh, interesting. Um, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today, Pat. Thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Hello again. It's Giovanna Rossi here. My own work in advocacy and policy change to improve the lives of women and families over the years has been both very personal and at the same time, it became my chosen prof professional career path. When I was pregnant with my first child and working in a high pressure policy job for New Mexico's governor at the time, I was charged with chairing a task force to develop recommendations to improve economic security for women and families. Specifically, we wanted to identify ways to improve the elusive work-life balance for women, something I was becoming very familiar familiar with on a deeply personal level. All of this work and my struggle to juggle new motherhood and my career led me to start my own consulting business where I became intensely interested in finding solutions for women leaders struggling to integrate life with their work, whether it was children, aging relatives, or other life circumstances. I knew that women needed support not only on an individual level, but on a systems level as well. And I knew that the systems level work needed to include a reflective practice that accounted for structural inequities at the personal, family, community, and global levels. My attempt to weave personal development and systems change together is a work in progress and is what I call the Well Woman Transformation Framework. The iteration of it that I'm sharing in my current work asks women to reflect personally and also more broadly at the family, community, and global structures in place related to what it is they're working on. With the help of specific tools and prompts, we work through leadership and life challenges through the lens of internal or personal strengths and external supports or circumstances. And depending on where a leader is in the four life stages, which are awareness, intuition, action, and acceptance, there are different tools that can be used to move through the challenges we face and find the answers and the integration we crave. If you're interested in learning more about the Well Woman Life transformation framework, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash movement. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join us. Our monthly live event, Well Woman Drinks, brings women together to share our successes and challenges as women, leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend a Well Woman Drinks near you, or if there isn't one in your city yet and you'd like to start one, email info at wellwomanlife.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wellwomanlife. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.